The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome back. I'm David. He is Isaac. This is Hoop Ball Grizz. It is more draft coverage. The NBA draft lottery has come and gone. Congratulations to the Detroit Pistons for winning the Cade Cunningham sweepstakes. Isaac, did you get a chance to watch the lottery, or did you have to uh, catch it after the fact? No, I, I watched it live. Um, yeah, man, uh, pretty pretty interesting uh, situation. Uh, you got the, the Orlando Magic ended up with two picks. Uh, Chicago Bulls didn't get a pick uh, out of the situation to trade um, during the season that they made with the Magic. So the, the Magic ended up with five and eight. Uh, Golden State ended up with seven and 14. So there are a couple of teams that have two picks in, in the lottery. So we'll see what they do with those. It's going to be interesting to see what, Golden State does because you kind of see how they Scott um, the, Steve Kerr talked about the the James Wiseman situation. Uh, they don't seem to be fun on kind of development right now. They're kind of all in on right now. So I, I kind of put out on Twitter the other day. I wouldn't be surprised if they move one or both of those picks. I think we could see that um, yeah. in this draft. So that could be interesting. I think. Yeah, I think they, they end they up moving one, of those, one or two of those picks. Yeah, they can run that number seven pick to the Grizzlies. I'm here for it, man. <laughs> I'm at the, for sure. The, there's, there's going to be a couple names that are available there in, in that range that uh, I would be like, say, Scotty Barnes is available at seven. Oh, yeah. bro, sign me <laughs> up. <laughs> sign me up. Let's get him. So obviously, we know that Cade is going to go number one to Detroit. It, it's, it blows my mind that people, the the Pistons win the lottery, and people are like, oh my god, Howard Cade, and uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I just lost his name. I know the kids. Uh, Hayes, how, how Hayes, are they going to play Hayes, together? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good problem to have. <laughs> it's a, it's <laughs> yeah. it's fine. You know, Cade is not a, a six three guard. He is six foot eight. You're going to be fine running those two fellows out there together. Let you know, like play Cade at the three. It, it does. You know who who's going to be the initiator of the offense? You know who cares? You you've got two guys that are more than capable of doing that. Not to mention, you have Sadiq Bay, you have Isaiah Stewart. There's a lot of young talent on that team, and I would be so happy. But I was very surprised at how many Detroit fans were like, "Oh my God, how are they going to play together? What about Hayes, bro? You've literally <laughs> like th- this is the guy you wanted. Do not be disappointed that you got the number one pick. The thing that is the most interesting to me." is going to be two through four, right? So it's projected. I, I've seen a number of people projecting that the Rockets are going to take Mobley. Yeah, I think so. And and, and I, I don't have an issue with that. Like, I'm, I'm I'm fine with that. But I, I'm i not 100% sure that that's what they're doing. You know, is he, is he locked in 100% the, the second best prospect in this draft? I, you could argue other guys. You definitely could. Um, but I think that Cleveland's pick at three is going to be crazy because it's going to hinge a lot on what Houston does. Say Houston is like, okay, we're going to go with Jalen Green at two. Yeah. We're going to pass on Mobley. Then if you're Cleveland sitting there with Jared Allen, are you taking Mobley at three or is he falling to four? And so, no, I, I, yeah, I, th- I think you, I think you go Kaminga um, in, in that situation. If I would, I don't know at two, what they're thinking, but just like you said, if if if, if uh, Rockets go Jalen Green at two, I think if I'm Cleveland, I go Kaminga at three because I mean you're yeah. not going to take Mobley there when you already have Jared Allen. I wouldn't, uh, right. but I think I would go Kaminga, Kaminga or Suggs right there. But man, we'll see how it plays out. I I do think Houston goes Mobley. Uh, I, I do think he's. Just the second best prospect in this draft, but if they go green, it wouldn't necessarily surprise me. But I do think they go Mobley, and I think Green goes to, to Cleveland at three and four. I think is kind of Toronto. I mean, most people think they go Suggs. I would probably go Kaminga in that situation. I know um, that, that that they already have. Um, God, I'm losing my mind here. Mm-hmm. Um, what's you talking the <laughs> young guy? Is that who you're you're talking about? No, uh, at, at Toronto. Um, Lowry. Pascal Siakam. Pascal, Pascal oh, Siakam. Oh, I got you. I, I didn't know which way you were going. I was yeah, trying to help like, so I was making it work. Yeah, man, I, I know they already have Pascal Siakam, but, when, I mean, when you're a bad basketball team, I mean, you just need down the players. And pa- having Pascal Siakam is not 
going to stop me from taking Jonathan Kaminga. I know they have some similar traits. Some people have even compared the two. But, I mean, you need talent, and that wouldn't mind me at all. Just like you talk about Kay Cunningham, I mean, your team, the, the Pistons fans are complaining. I mean, your team stumped last year. I mean, you get a guy that can that with point guard skills at 6'7", 220 pounds. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm taking him anywhere. I mean, I am a big Kay Cunningham fan, and I think he's going to be tremendous. And I think going to Detroit, I think it's going to be a spot where he can really showcase his skills. I think he's going to have a big year one with them. I think I, I, he could average – 20 points a game on that team, I think, easily because they don't really have guys that have put up points like that. So the people are business plans complaining about that, man. They're crazy. Uh, I mean, Killian Hayes, I mean, you, John, uh, Kay Cunningham six seven. He could definitely play with Hayes, and I don't have any issues with that. I don't, I don't know what they're complaining about. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see, like, you could sort of kind of justify maybe, you know, if he was a, a six, three, six, four, and then you got two smaller guys as your yeah. guards, I, I could see that. But with his, with Cade's size, man, that there's nothing there. There are going to be no issues there. Uh, you know, <laughs> Hayes played off the ball a little bit last year, not a ton, but he played off the ball some, uh, you know, and, and Cade, you saw a little bit of it. He was a primary, um, you know, decision maker for Oklahoma state, but he can play off the ball as well. You know, yeah, I, I, I don't think that these guys are going to struggle like what some of these people are thinking. I, uh, yeah, I was going to say earlier in the season when it looked like the Grizzlies could, could be higher up and we were talking about possibly K to the Grizzlies and people were like, can he play with job? Like I always say, a lot of people said he couldn't. I'm like, he's six, seven, 220 pounds, man. They can, because of that size, he can play together. So I think yeah. he can play off the ball job plays off the ball at times. They can play on the floor together. You can have Cal Anderson on the floor with job. You can have, Kay Cunningham on the floor with yeah, exactly. be a secondary ball handler, and I don't, there would be no problem there. It just gives you that much more versatility. Yep. Yep. So I, I was super happy the way it felt when Cleveland jumped up again. I'm, I'm like, man, man always. every <laughs> single year, every year, this is – I know that this is never going to happen, but they need to develop a role. As, if you end up in the lottery <laughs> for six-plus years in a row – you should just be automatically eliminated from getting the number one pick to, to, yeah. because you, there, there's something wrong. If you end up in the lottery six years in a row and you whiff on all six draft picks and you don't get any improvement on your team, I, you're, you're doing something as a franchise wrong. Yeah. They've, and, they've and done I, a and, terrible job of drafting. And this is so Sacramento is it, you know, they had been in the playoffs 15 years. They've been in the lottery, but they've developed you know, De'Aaron Fox is a good NBA player. This team is not, they're not far away from being a playoff team. Cleveland has been awful. When, when, when LeBron James is not playing for the Cavaliers, they are bottom of the league. Yeah, and, consistently. And it's, just, it's, it's ridiculous, man. How many number one picks? I, I didn't, I was going to look it up before the show and I didn't do it because I don't really care. It's, it's been entirely too many. You know, Cleveland has had way too many number one picks. I hate whenever they jump forward because you're rewarding. In my opinion, Dan Gilbert is the second worst owner in the NBA. He's got a lot of catching up to, to pass Dolan in my opinion, but you know, he, he is the clear, you have Dolan is the worst and then Gilbert is two. And then there's like a massive gap before you get to third. And I don't even know who I would say is third. Yeah. But, I was trying to think on top of my head. I, yeah, I don't like even know the, right now. This guy does not know how to operate a franchise. It's frustrating because the people Cleveland gets support. You know, there, there's a lot of Cleveland basketball fans. Some of them came on from LeBron. Some of them are actually just, you know, this is my city. This is my town. I'm going to support the team. And they just can't put together a a winning team without LeBron James. It's, it's tough to watch. I hate seeing them get good talent after good talent and just kind of, Watching it go to waste, man. Yeah, I was gonna say I've been been to Cleveland and I've talked to a lot of sports fans there, and they're passionate uh, about the Cavaliers yeah. and all their sports teams. It's just for some reason, man, and they've had a lot of bad luck with all their franchises up there. Whereas you're talking about the Browns, uh, of the Cavs. I mean, the Indians have have had some mm-hmm. some some tough luck as well. I mean, they just seem to be cursed as a city, and that for some reason, man, that the Cavaliers they just can't get it right, and they're consistently at the top of the lottery every year, man, and just have not done a good job of drafting and now they're in a situation where you have uh sexton and, and garland and, and you're possibly looking at 
Jalen Green. Like, what? Are, how are they gonna? How are, how are they gonna do that? Well, I think one of those guys, if you take Jalen Green, probably has to go. And again, man, it just shows you. I mean, their team building process. You just look at their roster. They just haven't done a good job. Not, not even outside of the draft. Just the guys that they brought in. They just don't really fit. They just have a lot of different guys on their roster that don't really have any yeah. chemistry or build a team. So I mean, it's just I don't know, man. Dan Gilbert is just. He's not a good owner, just like you said. I agree wholeheartedly. And to see them at the top of the lottery year in and year out, I mean, if you're in the lottery, top of the lottery six years, man, you should have at least one player that you could put your finger on and say, yeah, this is the guy. We drafted this guy. He's a superstar, all-star level player, and they just don't have that. I mean, it's yeah. it's crazy, man, to miss that much. I don't know how you miss that much consistently at the top of the lottery, but they found a way to do it. Yeah, they, they definitely have. So we'll get away from that. The I'll run through the uh, the top fourteen. I don't have all like the the entire first round here, but it's uh, Detroit at one, Houston, Cleveland, Toronto, Orlando at five. Uh, OKC, bad luck for them, fell back to six. Yeah, uh, Golden Tough. State at seven, Orlando at eight. So they got five and eight. They're going to get some good good talent. That's going to be a, a that may be my favorite uh, league pass team to watch because of all of that young talent, to be honest with you, man. Yeah, so, yeah I, I love the talent on their team. They have a lot of, lot of talented guards. I mean, it, it's going to be there. They are fun to watch. I like watching did they uh Did they hire a coach yet? They haven't, have they? No, they have okay, not. Yeah, I didn't think so. Sacramento comes in at 9, the Pelicans at 10, Charlotte at 11, the Spurs <laughs> at 12, Pacers at 13, and the Warriors – Again at fourteen, so two picks in the lottery for the Warriors, and I'm with Isaac on that. I think that they are probably going to move off of those picks, and maybe not both of them, but they they are going to be looking to make a win now move. And it just so happens that the Grizzlies have some win now players that we would be happy to ship to them for, <laughs> for those picks. I don't know. I don't for know. Sure. That King Climbing is going to see it the same way that I do, but man, I'm I'm. I'll say this, man. I'm not a big fan of Wiggins. I I don't like his effort. I don't. There's a lot of things to not like about his game. But if they want to make a trade to get rid of his salary, and they want to send Wiggins and the Grizzlies send a couple guys that way, and end up like say the Grizzlies give them 17 Kyle Anderson. I don't even know how it would have to work out. I don't have the salaries up in front of me, but you know, like you'd have to move a few guys. So you move a couple guys, Anderson being one of them, and you get Wiggins in the number seven pick. Sign, like, let's go. I'm, yeah, for sure. I mean, Wig- Wiggins. Uh, I mean, yeah, he has not lived up to expectations in the league. Had played really well against the Grizzlies this year. So I mean, they had some some good good feeling to watch on them against the Grizzlies. But yeah, man, if that's what it takes to, to get up to seven. I would definitely be willing to do that because I mean he has his moments I mean he work ethic like you said hasn't always been there and hasn't developed the way you thought he was but he has his moments I mean he can he can put points on the boards at times extremely streaky but if, if, if that we could facilitate moving up to seven by taking on him I'd be willing to take on that salary no doubt about it yeah 100% man so let's jump into our draft coverage here man I I'm kind of I'm doing a little bit different today than what I have been. I've been talking about mostly guys that could be available for the Grizzlies at 17. Um, there's still I think there's still a strong possibility that that the Grizzlies maybe move back or move up out of this 17 position just because of the way the lot or the way that the uh, roster is set yeah. up. I, I just. So my first guy today, uh, he he's a combo guard, six foot five from Gonzaga, Joel Ai Ai. I butcher his name every time. Yeah, I've you listened. got it. Okay, yeah, <laughs> I hate it. The, this is not a Shaq trying to be cute moment. Like I, I just, <laughs> I've listened to announcers say his name. I'm telling you, two hundred times over the last three days to try and pronounce it right, and I struggle with it every time. But he he's. He is kind of big board mocked end of the first round, but this is, I like him. I like him for the Grizzlies at 17. And this is my main reasoning behind liking him at 17 is this. He took on a role with the team. He took on a lesser role with a really good team. I don't believe that we have seen the best of him. I, I think that he has a lot to offer 
at six foot five. But like that, that's a good size guy. You play him yeah, at the two. Great size. He can shoot, man. He can shoot like crazy. I and there, there are a lot of things about his game. I he can create his own shot. Great, and he plays well in the pick and roll situation. He finished at nearly seventy percent at the rim, and he's not a selfish player. If you're going to go to a college like Gonzaga, and you know what kind of roster they have, he could have went somewhere else and been the guy. There's no doubt in my mind he could have went and played somewhere else and been the guy. He chose to go to Gonzaga. He was forty percent on cash and shoot. He started off his freshman year. He was 27% from three. He went 27, 35, and 39%. So you see growth every year that he's with him. His length allows him to be disruptive. You know, when he's if he's closing out on the guy to contest a shot or playing the passing lanes. And he averaged, I got this typed in the wrong spot. Sorry, I, I just distracted myself. I'm reading my notes and I and I typed a note in the wrong spot. Screwed me all up. But I like him at 17. Does he have weaknesses? Yes. Any of the guys that you're going to talk about falling outside of the lottery at 17, there's going to be holes in their game. But I, I think with his size and his length and his ability to shoot the ball, that he would be uh, just out of the park, like home run if the Grizzlies take him there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I like him. I mean, you, you talk about the size at 6'5", 180. Uh, can, play, can, can play the point, can play the two, so he brings some combo versatility. I mean, super efficient. I mean, 68% from two-point range, uh, 39% from three on three attempts a game, 57.5% overall. So, I mean, he, he's very efficient. I mean, when he takes shots, he doesn't miss many shots. And, and, and you got to talk about that. I mean, sharing the court with, Suggs and Kispert, uh, his numbers might not jump out at you, but I do believe that he is is a, a better scorer and everything that he showed. He didn't take a lot of shots because of he was playing with an elite talent uh, yeah. on the team. So I, I was going to say he's kind of one of those guys he wish would be more aggressive offensively, but you kind of see why with, with the guys he was playing with. But again, super efficient, elite rebounder, man. Average seven rebounders a game at 6'5". Moves well mm-hmm. without the ball. He's a good athlete. Uh, one, one thing that he, he showed it doesn't get to the line a lot, only two attempts per game. But again, that just kind of goes to, to not being as aggressive because he's kind of deferring to his teammates. But I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think he's a guy that could get into the NBA and be a better player than he was in college just because of being more aggressive. I think he could have went somewhere else, like you said, and he could have been the Jaden Suggs. He could have been the guy that, that scores for that team. But uh, again, Suggs kind of took over that role. and You had Kisper taking a lot of shots as well. And he just kind of deferred to those guys. But uh, I, I wouldn't mind him at 17 at all. I think he's a, a really good player. And, again, you get a player from a, a really good program in, in Gonzaga um, that's a winner. And that's something that you really, really can't teach. And, and I like him. I like his attitude. I think he'd be a good guy in the locker room. And, again, I don't think it would be a bad pick at all for the Grizzlies. Yeah, I – I'm looking at Tankathon right now. They've got him uh, like 30th like on their 30. on their big yeah. Year. But just like we've talked about before, from you know, say 15 to maybe even 35. Yeah, it, you, you can make a case for for any of those guys. And to me, uh, Joel AI he hits the mold for what the Grizzlies front office targets. He's a three-year player at Gonzaga. He's 21 years old. He's going to come in. He's going to be able to produce immediately. He plays played without the ball there, you know, playing, you know, second fiddle to Suggs. So, you know, he showed the, the 40% shooting, 41% on catch and shoot situations shows you that he can play without the ball. The holes in his game are things that you can work on holes that a lot of guys are going to have coming into the league. So I, the more I watched him, the further he climbed up on my board. You know, I I've said at 17, I like Kai Jones, uh, the guy we talked about from Morgan, Chris Duarte. Um, you know, there are a number of guys that I like at 17. Boke Knight is a dream. I don't think that he's falling to 17. Yeah. He's number He's number one for me. If he's on the yeah. board, there's nobody else that's going to be on the board that I would take over him for the Grizzlies. Odds are he's probably not going to be there. So my top three that I think could realistically fall to the Grizzlies at 17 right now would be Kai Jones, Chris Duarte, and Joel A.I., man. I, I it, He climbed in there just because I think that he has so much more 
that he can show that we haven't seen yet. I like, we talk about swing for upside and he's, you know, he, he's one of the older guys in, in the draft class, but he's not old by, you know, he's, he's 21 years old. I think um, draft time, what's he going to be like? I think, yeah, right around there. Like, be 21. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's just shy of 22 come draft. Yeah. But it's that is not affected the way that the Grizzlies. And I was talking to somebody about Duarte the other day and him being 24 years old. You know, you, you look at Tillman and Bain, the age thing that has really pushed other GMs away from prospects doesn't seem to affect the way that climbing in this this front no, office not at all a, you know they're they're, that, they're not evaluating prospects based based off of that you know you look back at brandon clark you know taking him <coughs> excuse me um that there i just don't think that that is something that they factor in and it's worked out pretty well for them yeah, I mean, that, that, I mean, we've seen it. We've seen it with Brandon Clark. We saw it with Desmond Bain. We saw it with Xavier Tillman. They haven't shied away from taking these older prospects, and it's worked out for them. I mean, these guys have come in. These older rookies have come in ready to play, and they've been big-time contributors for this team. I mean, who would have thought Tillman would have came in and had the impact he had? I mean, Desmond Bain, I mean, it got him at the end of, end of, end of the first round. I mean, you go back and look at that draft, and, and both of those guys probably go – mid first round at, at worst, uh, especially when you're looking at Bain and a redraft. I mean, they've just done a really good job of identifying these guys. And you kind of look at these mock drafts and you just see a lot of these talented guys that are, are upperclassmen, juniors and seniors. And you're like, why are these guys not going higher in the draft? And I'm going to talk about one of these guys in, uh, a little bit later here. They, they look at the talent and you're like, these guys should be top 10 picks. And then they end up going lower, but it's just because of their age and, perceived not having as much upside because they're older and the Grizzlies definitely haven't shot away from that. And I, I think it, it, it's worked out for them so far. Now we've kind of talked about this. This could be a year where they differentiate from that sure. just because of the way the roster set up. We've talked about some of these raw guys like, like Zaire Williams, for instance, that a lot of people talk about. Now mm-hmm. it wouldn't be the route I, I would go, but it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, you're going to swing for the fences. Uh, you take a guy like Zaire Williams and put him down in South Haven for a year or two and let him develop. And maybe by the time, He's ready to come up. He come up and be a real contributor for you because I mean, you, you look at his size and the perceived uh, upside from shooting ability. I mean, he could be a guy that really you catch lightning in the bottle with him. And this team mm. is right now in a position to do that if they cho- so choose. Now, I'm still me. If I'm I'm Zach Lyman, I'm still looking for who I think is the best player right now. That's just kind of how I, I would view it. But again, I mean, they they are in a position to take a huge upside side swing if that's the direction they go. Uh, but again, my Yai, I, I really think he would be, be a really, really solid pick for this team. And I think he has room to grow, just like you said, just because I think he was on a team where he kind of deferred to his teammate in an elite team that, that made it to the national championship game. Uh, um, he kind of kind of brings that winning mentality. But uh, the, fir- the first guy that I want to talk about uh, is Josh Christopher, uh, one and done prospect out of Arizona State. Uh, first thing that jumps out at you is the, the size, man. 6'5", 215, man, just a big, big guard. Uh, really good in transition. Um, he can really get to the rim and finish at finish athleticism is off the chart. I mean, he's a above the rim guy. Um, so I mean the strength and the size and the length uh, jumps out at you uh, on the film. Has the, the heavy game in his arsenal, man. It allows him to freeze defenders and take advantage of his first step. He's like I said, big. Uh, I read where he has a 16 wingspan. So anytime you got a guard that's six five with a 16 wingspan. You know, we're used to these short arm guys, like we talk about, like Desmond Bain, man. He would definitely buck that trend. Uh, needs to improve as a shooter. Uh, as he only shot 30.5% from the three-point line, but he only took 59 on the season. So not a not a high volume. I mean, he can really get to the free throw line. Shot 80% there, which kind of gives you some hope that his perimeter numbers can improve. We've kind of talked about that with other guys like Bob Knight and Cam Thomas. When you kind of look at that free throw percentage, you look how well they shoot from the free throw line. You think that that three-point number can, can improve. So I definitely think it's some upside there. Uh, good rebounder for a guard, averaging five a game. Uh, good defender due to his size, length, athleticism. Uh, Average almost two steals per game. Uh, does a good job of closing out on shooters. Good on-ball on defender. Uh, one place he does struggle defensively is in a pick and roll, which, which is kind of surprising. Um, and I watched the film. You think a guy that size and, and that length and athleticism, he'd be better kind of with, with the foot speed, but he does kind of struggle in pick and roll defense. But all in all, a solid prospect. I, I definitely think he's 
a, a first round pick. I don't know if I would take him at 17. Uh, I think we kind of talk about that, that middle of 15 to 35 to 40. And they kind of be at this group of guys that they could go anywhere. I, I, I could see him going there, but I think 17 would be a little bit high, high for my taste for him. I think somewhere in the mid to late twenties would be kind of where, where he should fall in. But I mean, he's a good player and I think there's some upside there, especially with the shooting. Like I said, 30% from three, I think he could definitely improve to 35 or 36% on those numbers. Yeah. I found a stat um, somewhere I was reading in the last six games of the season on four attempts a game, he was shooting 48% from three. Yeah. So he, he has shown streaks where the shooting is there. Yeah. You know, he's streaky for sure. Yeah, Consistency is a big thing. The guys that are consistent all the time are your all-stars in the NBA. That's really kind of what it breaks down to the guys that can consistently knock down shots all the time, not have any issues with it. Generally you're all stars. So, you know, consistency is a thing whenever I'm looking at guys and I see people breaking it down, I'm like, man, yeah, consistency is something that's easy to point out, but that's not always easy to fix because there, there's, yeah. there's not that many guys that are, truly consistent whenever it comes down to it. But, you know, I, I like him. I like him a lot. And he's a guy, you look at the age, you look at the size, the athleticism, and it's like, okay, what in his game is is pushing him this far back in this draft? And I think it's really it, just it's the, the just amount of talent. And, and what yeah. would you say was? I said, well, the, the thing, the, the only thing I think that's stopping him from being a late lottery mid-first-round pick, I think, is the consistency from three, I think. 30, 30 and a half percent, I think you look at that number. And I think outside of that, I mean, everything else in this game, I think makes him a mid-first-round prospect. I think that's kind of what drops him a little bit. I think that the three-point shooting, which, again, I think you look at 80% from the free-throw line, and, and we've talked about that. If you see a guy shoot that well from the free-throw line, that shows you that the mechanics on the shot are there. I, I think getting to the NBA and getting around uh, better coaching, I think he's a guy that definitely has upside shooting. But I think that's kind of the, the reason why he's kind of projected lord and you you would think looking at his overall game yeah it's crazy to me that that height makes that much difference right yeah you know it's six five with uh yeah i think the the measurements at the combine was like just under six foot ten wingspan but yeah you know, we'll call it a six ten wingspan six five six ten wingspan and he's late first round early second round and zaire williams his numbers <laughs> Yeah, are, are yeah, eerily similar, man. But but he's yeah. three inches taller, yeah. and so three inches of height makes a difference from lottery to late first round, mid second round. I don't know. Man, that that's I'm all right, it man. is, man. I, you know, look at if, look at if we're talking, we talk to, if we're talking talk upside, swinging it upside. Josh Christopher has showed me more than Zaire Williams has. Oh, no I, doubt. I will. I will never. Like just completely trash a guy that the, like that's not what I'm here for. But the talk of Zaire Williams going top ten or, or you know fifty, I I just I can't get behind it, man. Not not at all. When, when you got a guy at, at seventeen, I'm looking at what the Grizzlies need. If I if you have you give me a choice between Zaire Williams and Josh Christopher, I'm taking Christopher a hundred times out of a hundred, man. And to me, I think there's going to be other guys that are available in that area that are going to be more equipped. And that's, I, I just, I don't see it. Like I, I'm, I don't know. I guess maybe I'm, I'm a, uh, an outlier or being a contrarian because I'm not getting into the hype with Zaire Williams, but it, it's when I was watching and I started looking at numbers and I looked at size and, and, and length and everything with, between Christopher and, and Zaire Williams, I'm like, man, there, there's not a ton of differences between these two, in my opinion, other like Christopher is a much better shooter. And that to me, I think if I'm, you know, evaluating talent, making a decision, I'm taking Josh Christopher over him could very well prove to be wrong later on down the road. But I, I really, I like him again. I, I kind of agree with you. I I wouldn't really want to take him at 17, but if the Grizzlies traded back and, you know, there's somewhere mid to late first round and they drafted him, this would be a change of pace. Again, he, he's a freshman, 19 years old coming out of Arizona state showed plenty of upside. And to me more upside than some of these other guys that are getting hyped. 
Yeah, I just I just think they're like you said. I think there'll be better options there on the board at seventeen. But if they trade it back, uh, I, I definitely he would be a guy. If they trade it back late late first early second, if they were picking in that range, I think he would be a fantastic pick. But you talk about Zaire Williams, man, NBA GMs, they just a lot of times value the unknown more than they do the known. I mean, you just think that they kind of you've seen production from Josh Christopher, but you think they're you kind of evaluated what you think the cap on that could be. But with Zaire Williams, you just don't know. And a lot of times they value that unknown, again, more than what you've seen production. Because you see, you can go down a list and look at guys all the way into the second round. You're looking, look, looking at their numbers and looking at Zaire Williams. And you're thinking, I would rather have this guy than Zaire Williams. Zaire Williams hasn't proven what this guy's proven. And this guy's going in the second round. So, again, that's just kind of how they value it. And, and again, the Grizzlies, I think, have kind of worn in that vein getting – the Desmond Bain at 30, you saw production he given. And Xavier Tillman was a guy who wasn't even expected to get drafted and a guy getting major minutes on a, uh, a significant minutes at times on a playoff team. So, I mean, again, I mean, if GMs want to keep playing it like that, I think Kleiman and company will keep on on taking these guys late, man, and, and proving proving that theory wrong. Yeah, it just <clears throat> I can I can understand that theory for a guy that's older, say uh, Duarte, and you think that what you see what he is. He's going to be productive at the NBA level, but this is the ceiling for him. We feel like yeah. he's reached his ceiling because of his age. Josh Christopher's 19 years old, man. And it's, uh, Cam Thomas is another guy that's, you know, he's a young guy. And Zaire Williams is getting more height than him. And, and I, I just, man, as many times as NBA GMs miss in the first round, of the draft, you would think that they would make some changes to how they're evaluating these guys. And, and listen, the, the, there are guys that are out there that are way smarter than I am whenever it comes to evaluating talent and all of that. But it, it just, it blows my mind that you see what Cam Thomas is doing at 19. You see what Josh Christopher is doing at 19. And yet somehow, because... <laughs> Zaire Williams is three inches taller, four inches taller than Cam Thomas. The unknown is worth more yeah. than knowing that I got a guy that can, like, in yeah. Cam and Thomas, it, that can knock down shots. That, it's that's crazy what it me, is, man. It, it's, it's so crazy yeah. to me. So that that is, like I said, there, there's guys that are making tons more money than me, a lot smarter than me, and they're making these decisions. But you look, I would love to do the math. I, you know what? I'm going to do the math. I'll talk about this sometime <laughs> in the next week. I'm going to go back for the last 10 years and I'm going to look at the, just the first round, only the first round. Cause 60, that adds more to the math and I'm not about it. We can double it. It doesn't matter. I'm going to go back and I'm going to look at the first round and see how many guys in the last 10 years were drafted in the first round that are no longer in the league. That number is going to be huge. Yeah, it's going it's to be high for sure. I, I would, I'd be willing to bet you that the number of guys that were drafted in the first round that are still in the league is going to be <clears throat> significantly lower than the guys that were drafted in the first round that are now out of the league. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Before we be even delving into it, I can tell you that's going to be the case. Sorry, man. My, I come in this room to record, and there, there's something. I start coughing every time. I don't know what it is. Something in the air in here. <laughs> yeah, right, I'm, I'm, yeah. That, that's a that, Christopher is another guy that, that uh, d- didn't know a ton about. Love watching film on him. I like learning about these guys, watching them play, watching their games, and, and just you know, this is helpful to me. I like to know the guys in the NBA, and so. You know, before I would be at a loss for a lot of these young players. And so so jumping in and diving into these guys that are projected late first round, second round, it's I, I really, really enjoy it. And th- that's the guy, the guy that I'm going with next, um, Deshaun Nix is a guy that um, he's not somebody that I like at 17, not anywhere close. I don't think he's first round talent. Um, but what he showed with the G League Ignite this year in the second round, depending on how it works out for the Grizzlies, I don't think that he's a guy that's there at 51. I don't think no, he falls that he far. Makes it 51. But, uh, you know, th- there's always possibility for trades. And I know you're going to say, oh, well, they don't need a backup point guard. They have Tyus Jones. You're absolutely right. They do have Tyus Jones. But the summer is not over. 
the draft is not here. We don't know who's going to be on this roster. We don't know who's expendable. You know, that, that is something, you know, I, I would say to me, Tyus Jones is definitely expendable. Would I have said that pre bubble last year? No. Would I have said it after the bubble last year? No. But this year, after watching this team, Tyus Jones is expendable. And so, the way that the roster is built, the way it's put together right now, take a guy that you can send to South Haven and develop. And I, I like the I like the upside. Deshaun Nick, six foot five, yeah, big. You know, <laughs> he's the one, one issue that I do have with Deshaun Nix is his size, his body type. Man, yeah. the guys, the guys that are his size right now, that six five and the weight that he is, they're not playing the point guard. They're playing the four or five, and you're talking like PJ Tucker. Yeah, is the guy that comes to mind. Name that's coming to my mind. Yeah, yeah. So you know, like he's built like PJ Tucker, but he's a guard. There's some holes in his shooting. You you know, you worry about that. He was, you know, only 18 percent from three and 38 percent from the floor. Uh, He did shoot 71 percent from the free throw line, which is not great, but it's not terrible. So maybe you can see some growth there. I find it hard to believe that 18 percent from three is going to be a true thing for him. I think that, you know, even though it was G League, there's still a difference in pace. And I I think that uh I think that he would be a great uh, you know, mid to late second round guy for the Grizzlies. He's a great passer, really good primary ball handler. He played on the G League Ignite team with some veteran guards and he was still their primary. Jared Jack was on that team. He was still the primary ball handler. Great vision. He makes great lead passes, like coming out. He, if he grabs a rebound, he can, you know, push the floor. I, I just like some of the things in his game. He again, he's not a guy. I don't think he's a first round talent. I would be surprised if he goes. You know, I'm thinking he's going to go probably mid to late 30s. You know, like that kind of early mid part of the second round. But I, I do like his game. There, there's just stuff that he needs to work on. And this is a guy the Grizzlies could take send down there to South Haven, let him get some more time in the G League, and I think it could work out. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree 100%. And, and one thing, you kind of touched on this a little bit with when you're talking about Tyus Jones. Um, I, I brought up some second-round uh, guys I like for 51 for the Grizzlies uh, earlier today. And when, when you talk about this, you get pushback from a lot of guys. I, I said Luca Garza. Uh, Luke Garza was a Luca Garza was a guy that I liked at 51 for the Grizzlies. And I have people coming at me saying, oh, well, he's just another JV. He can't guard the pick and roll, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, we're talking about the 51st pick in the draft. I mean, this team was the eight seed. We have no idea where this team's going to be two, three years down the line. At 51, you're just trying to get a guy who mm-hmm. you're thinking is sticking in the league. If you get a guy that gets sticks in the league at 51, you won. I mean, it, it, I mean that's – I think man. at 50 – yeah, you're just taking a chance on a guy at 51. You're not worried about, I'm trying to get a guy to replace JV or anything like that. You're just trying to get a guy who you think can play and could develop long-term into something. And by the time they develop, who knows what your roster look like. But this is kind of something on that. Uh, they said Knicks. One thing that I've talked about, the, the G League thing, I think it's great for the top-tier prospects. We're talking about guys like Jalen Green, Jonathan Kaminga, those type of guys. But when it comes to guys like Dayson Knicks or, or Isaiah Todd, some of these guys, I think it would probably be better if they went to college. I think, and Deshaun Nix, I think, is one of those guys. I, I think it can hurt you at times because, especially on that G League at 19, because they have veteran guys there, like you said with Jared Jack. You have a lot of guys that are going to get minutes. And, and if you're one of these high school prospects that are not the top tier, you might not get showcased the way the guys like Jalen Green and John Kamiga do. Now, he got significant minutes, Nix did, but I think he could have went to college and been a, 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 a big-time player put up bigger numbers and might have gone mm-hmm. higher in the draft. I think that's kind of one of the things. I think that D-League at night, I think, should be, to me, for the top-tier prospects. I mean, I'm not going to knock guys for, for making the money and doing what they feel like they need to do. But, again, I think for some of the, the second-tier high school players, I think it might be better for them to go one-year college. But, like you said, man, 6'5", 226, he's big. You don't see a, a lot of guys his side playing the guard position. But um, they also have some combo ability because, I mean, even at that size, he can – Run the offense. I mean, he's a good, has good oh, yeah, court vision. Yeah, he's strong. Yeah, can post up smaller players, uh, get to the basket. Um, definitely needs a lot of work in the shooting department. But again, I think 18%, I think he's better than that. I mean, I don't think there's any way that he's an 18% shooter from three. But um, I, I, one thing I did notice that he 
seems to drift a little bit defensively at times. Doesn't always seem completely interested on that end of the floor. But again, man, you're talking about a second-round prospect. There's some things to like there. And again, I think when you're taking a guy in the second round, you're just looking for a guy that you feel has some upside that can develop and potentially long-term be a player for you and hopefully stick in the league. And again, I think there's a lot with they saw Knicks to like that. One of the better players on the Grizzlies roster right now, and Dylan Brooks was taken with like pick number 40. Yeah. You know, like the... Um, the MVP this year was pick 47, <laughs> you know, so, the, so there's you never know there. You, you don't know how a guy is going to develop. You just take a shot. And and he is a guy that I just, you know, I was going through the list of prospects and I'm like, you know, I don't know anything about this kid. I, like I knew that he was a, a pretty good prospect coming out of high school. Obviously, if, you know, if you're getting that invitation to play for the, the G league ignite, you have to have some level of talent coming out of high school, but you know, it, it's, the, the talent is there. What, what happens, what he develops into from here, you know, n- nobody knows. But at that point in the draft, you know, you, you get in that, that second round, like you say, you, you're looking for a guy that sticks. And, you know, it's where he is a guy that I think is definitely going to get drafted. And he is worth taking a look at because you, you saw, you know, you, you go back and you look at his high school numbers and it's like, man, you know, extremely impressive stuff in high school. Yeah. This is the next level. It's a lot harder. So the, you know, the lack of focus on defense, the lateral quickness that he lacks as a guard is a little bit scary, but, you know, strength and conditioning, you know, get, get with a, a meal planner or, you know, whatever you have to do. And for some guys, it's a body type thing, you know, that, that may be, you know, six, five, two twenty five. That may just be what he is. He, he may not ever get smaller than that, but you can do things to improve your footwork. And, you know, you can work on your game and still be effective, even though you don't have, you know, all of the prototypical tools that guys are looking for. Yeah, I mean, and I watched him in high school because he was a, a, a target for Penny Hardaway in Memphis um, at one point. Of course, definitely a elite level high school player. Obviously, ended up with a G League at night. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think he's a guy that, that definitely, definitely has some upside. And, again, you pick it at 51, which I don't know if he'll make it there, but anywhere, especially – mid to late second round, you're just looking for a guy that could, could develop. And there's some things there, I mean, that, that that stick out to you that, man, this guy could end up being a player. And I think that's kind of all you want at that point in the draft. And, and again, I think Jason Dix, I watched him a lot. I watched a lot of Zebra League basketball this year, watching Hustle, watch him play against uh, Memphis. And I, I, I like some things that I saw. And, again, I think, I think he's a guy that I think I would have preferred to see him go to college because I think his – Numbers would have been greater, and he could have been a higher pick. But again, I mean, he's probably he's going to get drafted. I would say probably mid, early to mid second round, and and we'll see what happens. But again, I like him as a prospect as well. Uh, the the last guy that I'm going to talk about, oh, you got something? Yeah, yeah. But before we move on from him, we're, we're talking about like the the college versus the, the the G League Ignite thing, and I don't completely disagree with you on, on this. But who's to say that? that's a bad thing for him yet. Like if you get drafted higher, obviously the money is a little bit better to start off. But if he gets drafted by a team, say he gets drafted by a better team, right. And he gets to go and you know, it's a team that that's not really in a position where they have to have him come out and produce right now. So he gets some time to develop and, you know, he gets into, he's a guy that never gets a max contract, but he comes and he sticks in the league for, say 11 years and, and plays for three or four different teams. Like, is it really a loss for him? You know, he probably would have made more money on the front end, but I, I think the possibility, you know, of going to a better team and there's something about experience, you know, even if you're not in the game, like being around the playoffs and seeing what it takes to get to that level, I think is something that, you know, some, some guys never get to see. And so if he ends up with a team that is a more competitive team and, you know, he, he ends up into the bench guy during the playoffs and he gets that experience and it pays off for him and he ends up sticking the league a little bit longer, maybe, maybe it wasn't. And, and it's, you know, there's no way, like, we're not going to know the answer of, you know, is college better or is the G League Ignite is that way better? We won't know the answer to that, you know, for – years down the road, depending on what his career turns out to be. You know, if, if he's just a uh, 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 splash in the pan, like, you know, he gets drafted 
And in two years, he's playing overseas because he just doesn't have enough to get to the next level. Then you're like, okay, maybe the college thing would have worked better because you would have got a bigger payday up front. But for a guy that works and gets to that next level and is able to stick in the league, I don't know that it's going to really make that much difference between going to college and doing the G League Ignite. You know, with the exception of, yeah, you're probably not going to get drafted as high. If you're going to the G League Ignite and you have, I'm just throwing a, a few names out there that these guys are going to college, but are, well, Chet Holmgreen and yeah. um, uh, Paolo Banchero. Like, say you're going to college, or, or you're not going to college, but you're going on the G League Ignite team and you're playing the same position as one of those guys. Okay, you're not going to get as much playing time. And so that could hurt you. But I just, do you, would you agree or disagree that the level of coaching in the G League is probably better than what you would see at college? Oh, I mean, I mean, I mean that, that's tough. I think with G League at night, I think it's, it's pretty, pretty high level coaching uh, with, with that team uh, for sure. And I think if you were some of the other teams in the G League, I think it's definitely college, I would probably say over uh, some of those teams. But G League at night, I think you, you're getting great coaching there. And I think, one another thing about it is I think you kind of look at these numbers uh, that he puts up. If he goes to college again, I think they could end up being better than what what their numbers suggest. I think they said yeah. eight point eight points a game. I think he might go to college. He might average 15, 16 points a game, uh, depending on where where he went. So I think that's kind of a, a, a another thing about it. I think a team could take one of these guys in the second round and they end up being better than than they expected because you look at the production, you think it all well. This guy. Some holes in their game were exposed because you're going up against better competition. I mean, I think there's no doubt that the G League and what these guys are going up against is better than what you're going to get at the Z1 level in college. I don't think there's any doubt about that because I mean, you're playing against guys that are been in the NBA. I mean, and guys that have played overseas and guys that have played pro ball for a long time. And so I think you're getting better. You're going to get against better competition. And, and to your point, I think that could be more valuable than what you get in college because, I mean, these guys are getting a unique experience that you're not going to get if you go to the D1 level. So I don't disagree with your point at all. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to kind of see what you thought there. And like I said, yeah. I wasn't I, – I agreed with a lot of the points that you were making. I, I just think Yeah, that, I could definitely see yeah, both really, sides of it. it. It's tough to say say for sure which, which way is which. I, and, and I think that you're right. I think, you know, against lesser competition – you know, you, you go back, you look at look at the high school numbers and what he done, and you know scoring's up. So, you know everything else is significantly higher because of the level of competition. Then you go D one, and you still it's a higher level of competition, but it's not the G League. Yeah, it's not that's the what, G League. You know, you, you see a lot of I see this type of conversation all the time of this college team could beat this pro team, and now. Baylor that won the national championship this year <laughs> is probably not beating any of the G League teams. No. Probably no, not. not. They may compete with them, but they're not they're not gonna beat them. And that's it, it just it blows my mind. Anybody that has that mindset, it's they just don't watch enough of the sport, in my opinion. So No, because I mean in G League, you going up against Guys, some of these guys have been pro for a long time. I mean, they had an older guy. Jeremy Lin is playing playing in G League. I mean, all these guys are not young guys. These are seasoned veterans, guys that have played in the NBA. Some have a cup of tea there. Some have been over in Europe. But these are grown men you're playing against in the G League. And a lot of times, especially depending on where you go in college, you're playing against lower-level competition. Like, you talked about guys from Gonzaga, which, not to knock them or anything, but you look at the West Coast Conference, that's – not the highest level of competition that you're playing against yeah, on a night in and yeah. night out basis. Now, they played a lot of teams out of conference. Gonzaga does. So, not, not to take anything away from them, and they made it to the national championship game. So, that shows you how good they are. But again, in college, you're not always going against top tier competition. I mean, you're going against guys your same age, 18, 19 years old. Some of these teams aren't even on the same level as the team that you're playing on. I mean, it's definitely mm-hmm. a step up in competition. I think, no doubt about that, between G League and D1 basketball. I hear people talk about it all the time, and I don't even, even think there's an argument. Uh, but, the, but the last guy that, that I'm going to talk about here is a guy that, that he's one of my favorite prospects in the draft. Um, A.U. DeSumnu, uh, junior out of Illinois. Uh, and if, if I'm the Grizz at 17, he's definitely in play for me. Uh, I'm still kind of scratching my head as to why he's projected late first. The only thing I can see is what we've been talking about. He's 21 years old. He's a junior, and they kind of think that he kind of is what he is. But um, 
I mean, he, he's a fantastic player, 6'5", 194 pounds. Um, Ayo was the best player on what was considered to be the best team in college basketball for a long time. So I think that kind of says something there. I mean, he's a combo guard with size, uh, first and foremost. So you like the versatility there. Um, he has the, the ability to take over the game offensively himself where he can create for his teammates, uh, can play on and off the ball. So I love that. Uh, has a nasty crossover in first step, man. Can break down defenders with ease on the college level. Uh, change the speed really well. Very Morant-esque with kind of the way he can can run a team offensively. You kind of see Doc kind of, kind of changing speeds and deciding whether he wants to take it to the basket or facilitate. You kind of see that in AO's game as well. Uh, not the biggest leaper, though, but he's extremely creative in the paint and the way he finishes. Man, His layup package is extensive. I mean, you see a lot of reverse layups, floaters. I mean, he has a lot of different ways he can finish in the basket despite not being kind of a guy that's, that's going to go up and dunk on anybody. Um, shooting form is kind of wonky, but effective, though, man. He gets it off quick, shot 39% from three on three attempts per game. Uh, gets to the free throw line where he was 78%. Not fantastic, but not bad. Uh, has good lateral quickness, which allows him to, to move his feet well defensively. Uh, great defensive instincts. Uh, knows when to show and when to double. Uh, gets in passing lanes due to his length. Probably needs to get a bit stronger uh, stepping into the NBA because some of those finishes that he has in the paint uh, with him being 6'5", 194 pounds, uh, he might not be, he's not going to be able to finish as easy uh, with, with not having athleticism, being up, able to go up and jump over anybody. It's going to be a little bit harder to finish some of those plays in the paint, but I, I love him. I think he's a leader. Uh, again, man, just love what he can do uh, offensively as far as running the team. He can play on and off the ball, uh, just moves well without the basketball. Uh, a good shooter, even though his form is kind of wonky. I think he only shot three attempts, but I think even on a higher volume, I think he'd be a really good shooter. And I, I just, again, I just think he's a leader, and I love his game. And again, I think in that where he's projecting in most of these mock drafts, man, it's kind of surprising me, man, because I, I just think looking at some of these guys. I mean, you you would compare him to Zaire Williams, and there's not even any question in my mind. Like I wouldn't even I, I wouldn't even look at Zaire Williams' name. I turn the card in quick as I could. I think Ayo was better than a lot of these guys that are projected to go before him, and I think it's just simply due to the fact of him being 21 and being a little bit older, and I think there's not as much perceived upside there, but I think I think he's a tremendous player, and I think he's a guy who could step in immediately and, and play for you and play minutes for you, and I think he'd be a tremendous pick for the Grizzlies at 17. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you, man. Uh, good rebounder, too, man. 6.3 yeah. a game this Six year. 6.3 a game, yeah. Uh, point of attack defender. <laughs> like, he he's a really good one-on-one -on -one defender. He uses the length very well, you know, I, I think that he could easily guard one through three. Um, you know, yeah, there yeah. may be some some bigger threes. So much versatility. But, you know, he, he'd be fine guarding one through three. I, he's a really good pick-and-roll player. I think that that is important. Pick-and-roll is a huge part of, of the offense in the NBA. And he – I like – when, when I'm watching film on him – I loved it whenever I watch teams like try to attack him in the pick and roll, like try to hedge him. Cause that first step, like you talked about him yeah, changing speeds and how shifty he is, man. And I can't tell you how many times I watched teams try to rush up and hedge him and he would just blow, blow right past that dude yeah. and get to the rim. And, and again, he, he's not like super explosive. Like he's, it's, he's, you're not going to see dunks like jaw from him. No, no. But no. He, he is athletic, you know, and that, there, there are a lot of things about him that you can look at, you can point out. I, I don't think he's a great ball handler. I think that he's a decent ball handler. There were times that when he would get in traffic, he would lose the ball. And, and that's that's things that you can improve. That's things that you can learn. Um, and, and then also there, there'd be times whenever he's handling the ball, he would see – a guy, but he would read it late. Like it's like he would react to it late. His passes would be a half second late. You know, if he threw this bounce pass a half second sooner, it's an easy layup for his teammate. Or he's driving in, he's got a teammate in the corner. He throws it a half second sooner. The defense doesn't have time to adapt to interrupt that pass. And so the, there are certain things that that he definitely needs to work on. But man, I. I can't really talk about much of anything else because everything that I was going to mention, you mentioned, you know, like the shot creation, um, you know, just he, he is a guy that is not afraid to go out and get his own shot. And you need that. You can tell, look at, look back at the jazz series, the Grizzlies need more guys that can create their own shot. And so 
again, th- this is another guy that I, I would have no problem with them taking at 17. And I think um, he's really safe. I think it's a, a safe pick. I, I don't think there's there's very low chance that he's not at least decent, a decent role player. I, I don't think there's very low chance he's a bust. He's going to be able to play minutes uh, in the yeah. NBA. I don't, I don't see him being a guy that washes out. I, I think he just brings too many things to the table. And I think he brings some things to the table that are translate immediately. Now, I think he's going to step in and be a star or anything, but I, I think he's going to be able to step in from day one. I think just like we kind of saw with Bain and Tillman, I think he's going to be one of those guys, again, he's a little bit older at 21, uh, played three years at Illinois, uh, really good basketball team. And again, was the best player on, on the team that was ranked number one in the country for a long time, was my pick to yeah. win national championship. They end up losing a little bit early in that, didn't make it there, got upset, but um, again, man, I've been a big-time fan of him for for a couple years now. And, and uh, like you said, I mean, I think there to some some of the things like the passes, like you said, I, I've seen some of those those things too. But he just brings so much to the table that it, it still it's just surprising me because I mean, I've even seen him at the top of the second round in some box, and I think he's gonna surprise a lot of people. I mean, if he gets into the late first, early second, he's gonna be a complete steal for somebody down there. But yeah. I, I got a feeling yeah. he's gonna get into some of these workouts and. Yeah, I got a feeling he's going to get into some of these workouts and rise a little bit. But, I mean, again, he's definitely on my major list for the Grizzlies at 17. Yeah, yeah. There are – the more you look at it, there are a lot of guys that are going to be available at 17 that uh, that I think – the one guy, if they're taking a swing at, at anybody, a guy that, that I like that we've talked about – well, I'm not going to talk about it on this one. We, we will talk about it later on a different episode. But there, there are a number of different guys that I think fit kind of the mold of what the Grizzlies have been doing in the draft. And he's another one of those guys, a three-year guy at Illinois, that uh, would fit more of what they've been doing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, again, they've had a lot of success there. So, man, if you, you continue to have success there, man, why not keep going to the well, though? We've also talked about this could be a year with the way the roster sets up that they could take a, a high upside swing on a guy. But again, we have no idea what this roster is going to look like. We think we know, but I mean, we have no idea what trades are going to be made, how they're going to consolidate this roster, who's going to be here. I mean, it could be something that completely comes out of nowhere and opens up spot and you're like, oh, well, this now makes sense. So we have no idea going to this draft. They could even make a trade during the draft. So we just don't know. So I, I kind of caution people when they when you, you throw out prospect and throw out names or say you're going to trade for this guy, you're saying, well, how is this going to work? I mean, you just never know if they make that move. I'm sure they have a plan on on making it work. So, I mean, I, these guys are, are in these positions for a reason. So, uh, Climbing and company have done a fantastic job. So, when it comes to this type of stuff, there's been some things I've questioned about this front office and the way they kind of handle some things as far as being in and now versus long-term. But when it comes to personnel decisions, drafting, they haven't given me any reason to distrust them. So whatever they decision they make, I'm going to go with it until, until it doesn't work. Yeah. Yep. I, I'm in the same boat, man. They, uh, they've done nothing up to this point that has made me question that, especially on the draft aspect of it. You know, there, there's some guys that would argue the fact, you know, the, the Winslow trade. Winslow. Yeah. That, I've written it up. Which I'm not, a, I'm not as done with that as a lot of people are. I still think they're, if they resign, there's a chance that he could be, a contributor for this team. I'm still not completely off that wagon yet. Yeah. I was talking to my account representative about him yesterday, um, at the forum and you know, he, he was one that wasn't really a big Winslow supporter. He's like, I don't think there's any way they pick up that contract. I'm like, man, man, people keep yeah. saying it. I'm telling them, man, you might be surprised, yeah. man. I was like, dude, based off of that, uh, in the season post yeah, the press they, conference, man, yeah. I, I don't know, but it's, <clears throat> The guys that they got rid of would 100% not be Grizzlies. No, Jay no. Crowder, just Jay Crowder, Jay Crowder Solomon Hill, not, none of these guys. They wouldn't be so on the roster right now. It's like, oh, they lost that trade. No, 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 they didn't. If it doesn't work out, they lost nothing. They traded guys that they knew were not going to be on this roster. Those guys wanted to go and compete for a title. Jay Crowder got to do that. He played in the finals for a guy that was young that had upside there. There's no losing that, that trade. If they, if they sign him, if they don't sign him, if they cut ties and he walks away, they did not lose in that trade. And it drives me crazy. You know, Jay, Jay Crowder have a good game in the playoffs and here it goes. Somebody <laughs> guarantee 
full on Charles Barkley guarantee there's going to be a Grizzlies fan. He should still be a Grizzly. Man. It's, it, it's crazy. It's not like, like they don't have Devin Booker and Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton on these teams or when he's back with Miami. Like they didn't have Jimmy Butler and, and, he, and these guys on his team. He, he is not the missing piece for the Grizzlies like some people seem to think. Some people, like, I mean, you see some of this stuff on Facebook and, and Twitter. They act like if Jay Crowder was on his roster, the Grizzlies would have been in the finals this year. And it's just not true. Like, what, what are you saying? He has a good game, but he's been extremely inefficient. I mean, you saw his numbers with, with the Grizzlies. So for some reason, people like he was this great three point shooter for the Grizzlies. He was awful from three. Yeah, just, you just see a guy taking a lot of threes. Just because you shoot a lot of them doesn't mean you're a good, good three point shooter. And that's uh, yeah. something that I've told people about Jay Crowder a lot. He gets a lot of and, money, but he wasn't, wasn't making many, at least when he was with the Grizzlies. I don't dislike Jay Crowder. I think that he could bring a lot of good things to the table. Great leadership. There, there were things that he left whenever he left the Grizzlies that I'm. you could still see from the Grizzlies players. There there were things that he taught these young guys that oh, you no still doubt see about them it. implementing. So was he a good veteran leader? Yes, 100%. But there's also a 100% chance that he would not have been a Grizzly moving forward. Just to, yeah, man, this just is not bad. Yeah, this is not bad for Jay Crowder because I liked him. I liked him. I like him as a player. I like him. I think he's a good guy in the locker room. He's just not what a lot of Grizzly fans want to make him out to be. Like he's some savior. And if they had Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill, this team would have went farther than the playoffs. Even if they were still here, I still think the same thing that happened with the Grizzlies would have happened if Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill was on the roster. They still would have mm-hmm. lost to Utah. None of that would have would have changed. And I don't see why people think that it's good to have guys like that in the locker room, no doubt. And again, I was a big fan when they made the trade to get Jay Crowder. I was excited. I was like, yeah, man, that's a veteran guy. A guy that's going to come in. He's going to stand up for his teammates. He's been around um, and, and then he'll be good for this team. But he's not, he wasn't going to put this team, he's not the guy that puts this team over the top. I mean, no, the, the reason why Phoenix is winning games is because they have Devin Booker and Chris Paul. That's the reason why they're winning games. Mm-hmm. It's not Jay Crowder that's making them a, a, a championship contender right now. And that's just, it is what it is, man. But I don't know why Grizzlies fans like key in on these certain aspects. It's not every everybody. Everybody's not like this, but it's some segment of the fan base just key in on these things, and they're just not true. And again, that's one that people need to let go. Yep. So, man, I've got nothing else on this episode. You got anything else before we get out of here? Oh uh, yeah, man. Uh, I'm just gonna tease this a little bit. Uh, today earlier, and we're gonna talk about this in a future episode. We're gonna get into some of the second round prospects. But I, I threw out five guys that that I like uh, for the Grizzlies at the 51. And I'm going to talk about these guys in, in a later episode. But Johnny Juzang is a guy who, he's been all over the place in mocks. I mean, you see yeah. him, I think they, there's one of Sports Illustrated has him at like 55. Uh, I think ESPN have the Grizzlies taking him at 51. I've seen him, I think one mock draft had him in the 20. So he's all over the place. He probably doesn't make it to 51. But if he does, man, I'm all over that. I think he, he was originally at Kentucky, transferred to UCLA, uh, had, a, had a big season this season. And he's, not a guy that does particularly anything great, but he's a guy that just does a lot of things overall. I think he's going to be a great role player. And if you can get a guy like that at 51, I think he's a winner. I think he's one of those guys that if, he, if you're on a winning team, he's one of those type of role players that you like to have on your team. Kind of like a Kyle Anderson. I mean, a guy that, again, Kyle Anderson is, is a really good defender. And Juzang is a guy who doesn't do anything great, like I said, but does a lot of things well and brings a lot of things to the table so i think he'd be a plus role player on a really good team so he would be a good pick there um another guy that i like matthew hurt out of duke you know uh climate likes his duke guys a uh, really good three-point shooter i love guys with size that can shoot um white camp out of uh hours another guy uh that's kind of name that's come up lately man 42 inch vertical he's not known as a as an athlete but at 42 inch vertical at the uh, combine so he can really shoot the basketball so of course that's always a good thing Quentin Grimes out of Houston is another guy who could really shoot the basketball uh, that I like. So those, those are just some of the names. And Luca Garza is another guy that I threw up. And I got a lot of pushback from that one. And, again, I was talking about that earlier, about guys saying he's just another, <laughs> another JV, can't guard the pick and roll, blah, blah, blah. But the guy was the Naismith Player of the Year. So you don't get yeah. that award without being a good basketball player. If you can get the Naismith Player of the Year at 51, I mean, I think you're doing good. I mean, he's not a guy that has a lot of upside, but – I think at 51, I think he'd be a fantastic pick because I think he's a guy who's safe. I don't – when you pick it at 51, again, you're just trying to pick a guy who you can feel can hang in the league. And I, I don't have any doubt. I think Luka Garza is an NBA player. So those are just kind of some of the guys that we'll talk about those more extensively as we go on. But those are just some of the kind of the guys I like at 51. There's a lot of talent in this draft. 
When you oh, look man, down yeah. at that, when you, when yeah, you look yeah. down at the second round, there's guys all over it. Isaiah Todd, man. Yeah. I, Isaiah Todd, like hit the, I remember before last year's draft looking into this one and Isaiah Todd was in the first round, man. And then now, now you look and, and he's like, uh, yeah, on tank, tankathon, he's in the fifties right now Yeah, he might be at, at six, man. Yeah. Like the, there, there are plenty of guys and, and you, you never know if you're going to hit this late in the draft, but I think there's plenty of talent to be had there late in the draft for the Grizzlies. So we'll get into that. We're talking about our sponsor here at HoopBall, mybookie.ag. Still have the promo code going on over there. The promo code is HoopBall. Go over and sign up. They will match your initial deposit 50% up to $1,000. So go over, set up your account, make your deposit, use the promo code HoopBall, and get some free money to gamble with. Also, after you finish that, holler at our guy Dan Bespris. He's got another gift for you. We're hooking you up. We appreciate you guys listening you can get the show on Twitter at HoopballGrizz. I'm at DWill2111. Isaac, get us out of here, man. Yeah, man. You can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore Rivals, I-S-A-A-C underscore Rivals. Man, so much more draft coverage coming your way, man. So be able to be on the lookout for that. Um, again, man, um, a, a lot of talent in this draft, like I said, all the way down to the bottom of the second round. So I think Grizz will be able to get a, a good player even at 51. Uh, but, but make sure you stay tuned. Go over to Ed Football. We have some to follow. We appreciate that. And thank you for tuning in. Until next time, we go. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.